Hi, everyone. I'm Annette Klazowski, your host. I'm an executive coach, a speaker, a peer advisory board leader, a sports junkie, really kind of all things health and fitness, and of course, a dog lover. If you've been listening long, you know that. And I also have the privilege of working alongside my co-host and producer, Annie Brown. Annie is a marketing and social media guru and really all things creative and clever, Annie. You're creative and clever. <laughs> I like it. I like we just keep adding new adjectives for me every episode. I am okay with this. There you go. Well, welcome everyone to Leader Spotlight. We have Cheryl Marino on the the uh, horn today. So I'm excited to be able to talk with her. I think you will love hearing from her. She is the Director of Leadership Development for Express Professional International Headquarters. She is involved with Express University. She does a lot of really cool things from educating their franchisees all the way to just leadership development. She has a new blog, which I'm excited that we get to talk to her about today. And she speaks, and now she's adding writing. So I think you guys will find she's brilliant in so many ways. And she's from West Virginia. So we um, have a lot to talk about because I'm an OU fan. She's West Virginia. We're in the same conference. So that's always fun for us to talk. But anyway, welcome to Leader Spotlight. Annie, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I didn't know uh, Cheryl was from West Virginia. I'm from uh, Virginia myself. So uh, we'll have plenty to uh, chat about. Um, yeah, so looking forward to hearing from Cheryl. And before we start, because uh, listeners have loved uh, kind of the tips we've been sharing, um, I wanted to share a quick tip from a resource Annette and I worked on. Um, it's called 10 Techniques for Leading a Home-Based Team. And you'll be able to find this on the Leader Spotlight resource page on AnnetteKlazowski.com. Um, so basically why we wanted to share this tip is because as many states are coming out of the stay-at-home orders, some employees will still be working from home for the foreseeable future. And so with this mix of work from home teams and office teams, it's really important to clarify the differences in work from home processes and on-premises processes. And so Basically, what we suggest teams do and leaders do is take time to create process maps with different um, with the differences between office versus home protocols highlighted. This includes virtual approvals versus in-person inspection and results uh, all and how you report results reporting from home. So certain processes might require a meeting um, in the past. That meeting might have always been in person. But uh, when these processes change, the leaders must think through a new process. So just take the time to think through the difference between the work from home and the end office. And if you're blending those, um, try to do some of the ones that are most important to do in person. Uh, save those processes for in person and save um, the ones that, you know, you can do virtually uh, from home. And again, that's more uh, you can find more detail about that tip in the resource that I'll be sharing on Annette's website. Very yeah. good insight for that, the two distinctions. Yeah, and I think, you know, something working with Annette, I've learned about the process mapping. It makes such a huge difference in, in the productivity of your team and just, you know, how you're able to visualize the big picture. And as always, if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to leave a review or a comment on um, IG. 
Uh, we are now on all platforms. So wherever you're listening to podcasts, you can just search for Leader Spotlight and you'll find us. Very good. Well, let's get on with our conversation with Cheryl. Um, welcome, Cheryl. It's so good to have you on today. So thank you for making time for us. Well, thank you, Annette, and thank you, Annie. I'm honored to be a part of your podcast and share just a little bit about my story and um, a little bit about the things that I've learned as I've taught others about leadership and things I've learned myself out on the trail. I know. I'm excited to get to that. I, I want to start, and I, I think we get this question a lot or people leave reviews because they love hearing the backstory of leaders. So I want to start there. Um, you know, now I know you're in a leadership role. You really run, you know, the Express University and you're training. You're doing a lot of different things, but kind of walk us through how you ended up where you are. So what, what was that journey? Well, I can go all the way back or I could just go a little of the way back. But I was really, Annette, the first person in my family that wanted to go to college. Um, and I say that not as a, in a braggadocious way, but um, no one in my family had graduated from college. And I knew from the time that I was in the sixth grade that I wanted to go to college. I wanted a college degree. My dad had the dreams of going to college, but the Korean War came and it kind of took all of that dream away and he became a family man and just a worker, a worker bee. And then, you know, that dream kind of died and, and somehow that dream was rekindled in me. And so I did whatever it took for me to be able to go to college. And, and I graduated from West Virginia University. Yay, go Mountaineers. <laughs> <laughs> And, and Annie, we are from West by God, Virginia, not from Virginia. So just in case people are confused, because there's a lot of confusion between Virginia and Western Virginia, but we're yes. not Western Virginia, we're West by God, Virginia. Yes, there you go. Very separate things. Yes, very right. separate. In Oklahoma, things. we say there's only one Oklahoma, because we have Oklahoma University and then Oklahoma State. So... You have two Virginias. We have one Oklahoma. That's, that's what yeah, I say. Yeah. <laughs> so I graduated from West Virginia University with an uh, education degree. And um, the first thing I did was go into public school and taught public school. And that lasted for a while. I um, had a son, Brandon, and then... Um, found myself as a single mom, recently gone through divorce and didn't really know what I was going to do to be able to take care of my son. And so I ended up um, finding a love for health and fitness and um, landed a job at Jenny Craig and started out just as a consultant and helping people reach their weight loss goals and then became a manager at the um, Jenny Craig and then uh, once I became a manager, I became a regional manager. I did a lot of their training and leadership development there. Did that for a little while and then um, ended up at Express. And when I found Express, I started my career there in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I started my career as an on-site trainer, which isn't even a position within the organization. They don't have those positions, an on-site trainer. But we had landed this call center 
and they needed a trainer to come in and help develop and design their training for their customer service reps. So I did that for the first nine months, then came inside. I ended up managing a industrial office and then eventually became the regional manager, but all the time knowing that I wanted to go into training and developing others. And every time I saw Art Atkinson, who is the vice president of Express University, I would say, hey, if you need a trainer, don't forget, I'm a trainer. I can come and do the training. So about six years into my career there in Tulsa, he finally made the call, talked to my leader there and said, hey, we'd like to talk to Cheryl about this position. I moved in 2004, did new franchisee training there for a long time, for about six years, but had this dream of starting another new position that didn't exist at Express. And that was uh, developing a leadership program. So I became the director of leadership development and I've created a program for our franchisees to go through and really start to learn and grow and develop their leadership skills. So this is above and beyond just learning the technical side of our business. This is really learning about how to become a better leader. Well, that's what I love about you. You, Well, I mean, you're a continual learner. So uh, we kind of come from the same um, background and industry. So I love it because you just have a unique perspective Um, But I love that you just blaze your trail. So, you know, it's like, there's not a position, no problem. I'll just make one. (laughs) I love that about you. (laughs) Yeah, you don't have that position. That's okay. We'll just make it and create it. It's all good. That's right. We'll just, we'll put a name on it. It's a position. Yes. You know, it's actually, that is such a great segue. Because I know that um, we could talk a lot about just that leadership academy and, how you bring leaders in and are developing developing them. But but the thing that I love too about you, now I've hiked with you, so I personally have an experience. Um, and, and, I, and anybody that would want to hike with you should needs to ask you um, to define hike. <laughs> it's, it's not a leisurely activity. So we've climbed a couple of things together that uh, they were probably out of my skill set. So you're, you're a pretty intense hiker. It's yeah. a few things that you have have done, but you have started a blog and it really kind of started on the trail. So talk a little bit about um, where you got the idea and then how to just get that courage to step off to do the blog. Okay. So first of all, I've never considered myself, you said you're a sports junkie. Well, I'm a band person. So when I grew (laughs) up in high school, a band person. I played the clarinet and was really good at playing the clarinet. And But I never considered myself an athlete. I never considered myself someone that was an extreme sports person. And yet, as I grew older, I kept finding myself starting to participate in these extreme hiking adventures. And to to participate in any of those adventures, of course, you have to start training. And that's not just a little bit of training, but a lot of training, right? So you're spending a lot of time out on the trail, prepping your feet and all the things that go with it from nutrition to hydration. And you're practicing all of those things so that when you do that extreme hike, that your body and your mind is ready. And all the time that I was out there, I kept thinking about all the lessons I was learning. And I thought, oh my gosh, 
these lessons not only apply to the trail and apply to the personal experience that we're having, but it also applies to leadership. And I just started thinking about, well, I experienced this and oh my gosh, how does that apply to leadership in our organizations? And that excited me. And I had this dream of starting a blog and that happened about five years ago. And it was only recently when the crisis hit with COVID that I got brave enough, or I guess I got uncomfortable enough with my fear um, or made friends with my fear even, that I pushed myself out of my comfort zone, leaned into that fear zone and started a new blog called uh, Leadership Lessons from the Trail, A Journey of Growth and Development. Okay, so I, I have to, we have to go back for one thing, because I've hiked with you, which I would consider extreme, which really when we were in Portland and Washington, that, you know, that really wasn't that extreme. I mean, it was St. Helens would be considered extreme. I'm sorry. Well, okay. Well, to me, yes. To me, it it was when I looked and, you know, all the stuff you needed to prepare, I had none of the equipment that they suggested, but you've done the Grand Canyon rim to rim. So, I mean, like, that's what I mean, extreme. Like, so I just want people to understand it's not like you're hiking for four or five hours. Like that's a light training day. (laughs) Yeah, that is a light training day. So the Grand Canyon was one of those extreme hikes. I did um, White Sands, New Mexico, the uh, Baton Death March Memorial Marathon, which is in White Sands, New Mexico, which is an extreme hike. And then I've done six or seven extreme hikes in southeastern Oklahoma for cystic fibrosis. And I don't know how I get pulled into these extreme things, but there I am in the midst of it. And when you're in the midst of it, that's where you really find out what your mindset is. You find out what you can do versus what you can't do. And then you also think about, well, what am I learning in the process? And what can I apply to my professional life as well as just taking these lessons off the trail? Yeah, I love that. I love too. you talk about um, you have kind of a mantra, like a 10 more steps. I do. So part of this whole training process, because the event is just the event, the part where you really learn the lessons would be when you start that training piece of it. And my mantra is 10 more steps or embrace the suck. So (laughs) there's a time on the trail when you feel like, Mentally, you can't do anymore. Your body's screaming. Your feet are just trashed. Your quads, your back, your shoulders, they're all hurting. And your mind's telling you, just give up. You can't do anymore. You're done. Well, I found this technique from a book I read. I'm sure you've read it too, Annie and Annette. Um, Cheryl's, uh, Cheryl Strade's book, uh, Wild. Oh, yeah. 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 Remember when she had the beast on her back and she didn't think she could go anymore? And she said, I'll just take 10 more steps. And literally, she'd count to 10 and then she'd start over again. 
And I thought, that's a great technique. So I adopted that technique and thought, okay, when I get to that point where my body says absolutely no more, then I'm going to tell my mind, I'm just going to take 10 more steps. And I literally count to 10. When I'm done, I start over and count to 10 again until I've broken through that wall and then I've completed whatever it is I need to complete. So uh, I love that technique. It's just that important, the importance of getting your mind right and not listening to the negative, but thinking about what you can do versus what you can't do. You may not be able to finish the race and that's okay, but you can take 10 more steps. Yeah, I love that. I love that because you focus on what's right in front of you and not the distance you still have to go or what you haven't accomplished yet or, or you know, the, the finality of are you going to reach your goal or not? It's like, I'm just focused on these 10 steps, this right here in front of me that I can see. I love exactly. that. Exactly. Exactly. And I've had friends that I've taught this technique to, and I'll, when they get really quiet, like the, we're on the trail and they're not talking anymore. And I'm like, are you guys okay? And they're like, Cheryl, we're counting. I'm like, okay, well, what are you counting to? And like, we're counting to six. Cause that's all we can do is just six steps. We can't even go 10 right now, but we know we can go six. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. That's a good um, mental toughness place to go. Yeah, exactly. Well, talk a little bit. So you've kind of taken an acronym and you've kind of worked around some of the lessons and just things, takeaways from the trail. Talk a little bit about that. Your steps. Yeah, the acronym. more I thought about, yeah, the more I thought about that 10 more steps and I kept thinking, well, what do the steps really mean? And what did I learn with each step that I took? And what I thought was, I'm going to turn this into an acronym. And so when you think about the word steps, for me, the S was all about setting your vision. And it's important that you understand your why. Why are you doing what you're doing? And then the T is all about training. And so we really have to train our body, our mind. We have to train with hydration. We have to train with nutrition. We have to train with what we're carrying on our back. So training on the basics, that's the T part of the acronym. The S part is all about executing through teamwork. So all those trails, all those things that I've done on the trail didn't just happen. It was executing with a team and executing with a group of women. And I think that's really important is like, I didn't do that alone. I did it with a group of supporting people and how important it is to know who those supporting people are in your tribe. And then the P is for perseverance, because it doesn't matter how much you train, how prepared you are, when the event actually happens, just like when COVID happens, we have to dig deep, we've got to find our grit, and we've got to persevere through it. And there's lots of perseverance stories that I've, I could share about what I've learned on the trail. But then the last S in steps, I think is so important, because you really have to stop once you're done and really savor your success. You're gonna think about what actually happened, what did you learn from it, and then celebrate it because you just accomplished something that maybe you thought was totally impossible. 
And I just think that that's really a cool thing, not only for getting ready for an extreme event, but all of those things could easily be applied to an organization. Yeah. Well, and I think um, it's interesting if you just kind of align it, you know, like with an organization, a lot of times, whether it's a new product launch or a new direction or a new venture at all, you know, very, a lot of times you might kind of have a vision, but you really don't understand the why. And you don't train, you just jump right into executing. And then you only think about persevering when it gets hard, (laughs) you know, and then we are horrible at celebrating. I think really doing that reflection on what just happened and what did we do well? What could we do better? Let's celebrate. I, I don't think we do that very well in most situations, probably in our life. I totally agree. And everyone does that a little differently. Yeah, you could have the process of thinking back and reflecting on what would I stop, start and continue if I did this again. I mean, that's a process we all can repeat. I think what's important is to really understand how you celebrate success. So for me, my next, uh, the way I celebrate success is like, yes, I did it. Now what's next? But there's (laughs) other people that are like, whoa, 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 we just completed a rim to rim Grand Canyon hike in what 20, how long did it take us? Maybe 16 hours. So less than 20 hours, we did it in 16 hours, all together with no stops, no, no sleeping over, right? Um, But there were some people that just wanted time to reflect and think and decompress and savor the moment. And so I think When you think about celebration, you really have to think, well, what's that celebration look like for me? Or if you're putting that into an organization, what does that look like for your team? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Well, uh, if I remember correctly, when we hiked Mount St. Helen, didn't you leave there for that rim to rim? I did. So I <laughs> I was yeah. the one still sitting going, wow, yay, I did that. And you were already on to rim to rim. <laughs> well, what's so funny is like you you guys call me and say, hey, you want to come and join us for a little hike? We're gonna go climb Mount St. Helens. I'm like, sure, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just just resting for for my rim to rim hike. Oh my gosh, that was so hard. That was really a hard hike. Yeah, yeah. And the last two miles up to the um, summit, and it's all ash, and we have no equipment. No equipment. (laughs) That would be a great example of how we didn't use the STEPS acronym appropriately. Yeah, and that's when that was born. (laughs) Yes. Well, tell us, um, so I know you've, you've just started your blog, you have a few out. Um, what's that been like? Just, you know, because I think sometimes, you know, there's somebody who might want to write a book or there's a lot that goes in, maybe it's a self-limiting belief. There's that, that self-talk, like what, how has been that process of really just putting yourself out there? Because that can be scary. Oh, Annette. It is so scary. So this this dream of writing a blog and sharing some of the lessons that I've learned on the trail and really pulling that thread of helping organizations or leaders see that same analogy, I think um, that was born on the trail. And that's been five years since I really started 
participating in these extreme kind of events. And it's taken me five years. It's taken COVID. And I actually saw this graphic that I thought was so powerful. And we can include the graphic if you want in the show notes. But it's really all about we live in this comfort zone and we don't do things that make us uncomfortable because uncomfortable puts us into the fear zone. And that's where all the self-doubt comes. But it's only when we push past the fear zone that we go into the growth and learning and leadership zones. And I saw this graphic and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is this is so appropriate. Like if this is ever going to happen, I've got to, just like I do physically when I'm training for something and push myself out of my comfort zone, into the fear zone of I might not be able to do this, into the growth and learning zone, I had to do the same thing with this writing thing because I don't consider myself a writer. I don't consider myself somebody that um, people will want to read, but I, I did feel like I had some lessons that I could share. And the only way for me to do that was just to make friends with fear and lean into it, embrace the suck, as I would say, and so I can get into the growth and development zone. And that's how it started. You know, it's interesting, which I think is important to talk about is, you know, you don't consider yourself an athlete, although you're doing very extreme athletic things. So, you know, just just the definition of a word, you know, if you would have let that define you, you would have missed out on so much, right? So much that has been laid out just from from what we might think is a simple hike. (laughs) And then you also don't consider yourself a writer, but yet it's another expression that will connect you and open up things for you. So I love that you don't let certain labels or even things you may categorize, you don't let that hold you back. I love that. Yeah, thank you for even pointing that out because that's so true. I don't consider myself those things and yet I'm not going to let that stop me from doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's probably a lot of, you know, you've been able to blaze a trail and create positions that you want by asking, you know, and and I love because you you also shared that you had communicated for five or six years. Hey, remember, I'll train. Hey, remember, if you need somebody. And then that finally came, that call came that said, hey, you know, we we are interested in you training. So, speaking and putting things out in the universe, I think is really important. Well, that, so your vision, knowing your why and what you want to do and where you want to go, but it goes back to that um, perseverance as well. So I could have taken that, no, we don't need anyone or no, this isn't the right time or no. I mean, I've got to know every single time I talk to him until I did it. And so that perseverance is so important, right? That you don't just give up or you don't shrink back and and go back to your comfort zone, that you continue to push yourself out into that uncomfortable spot. I have a franchisee that said that the leadership program actually made him make friends with discomfort. So I think that's what we have to do is like, we, if we're not uncomfortable, we're not growing. Yeah. Okay, I'm so still in the embrace the suck. 
I do have opportunity to embrace the suck in my world. So I love that. (laughs) You got to embrace the suck. In fact, when we were training for um, the Grand Canyon hike, because there's no elevation in Oklahoma, we actually had to climb stairs. And so our last required stair climb was three hours. So three hours up and down stairs, up and down a flight of stairs. And we had a flight that we found in downtown Oklahoma City was that 35 flights of stairs. So we climbed up them, climbed down them, climbed up them, climbed down them. For three hours, we did that. And um, you don't think that our body was saying, I hate this. I don't want to do this anymore. This really sucks. And that's where we came with embrace the suck. And of course, a lot of military use that same phrase and terminology, embrace the suck. But it really did hit home with us at that point. Like, yeah, we got to embrace the suck because we have to do this because we want to do it. And we know that there's going to be uncomfortableness in where we're going. So we have to do it. Well, the other thing too is if you connect to your why and you really are listening to the training piece, you know, you put, you embrace the suck then during training so that when you're executing it go, you know, you remove as many barriers or resistant factors that you can, because you could probably go do some of those things without training like you guys did. But my guess is, you know, you would have some other issues if you're not doing that. So I'd love to execute as well. If you don't understand and know how to do those things, um, if you don't have time to practice those things and really as a team, you're not going to execute as well as you could. You're not going to get the results that you really want. If you haven't identified what are the training basics and then actually go and train on them consistently. So when you're ready to execute, you're executing with, teamwork and you're executing with excellence. And did you always train like that or did you learn like where you cut corners and weren't really prepared in some of your first extreme hikes? Uh, the very first one I prepared a little bit but not nearly like I did when we uh, hiked the Grand Canyon and the reason that I prepared so well then was because it was tracked and monitored by a coach which is another whole lesson right because you think about how important it is to have an accountability partner when you're in a leadership role. It's easy to say, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. But when you have a coach or an accountability partner that says, hey, but did you do that? Did you do the required thing that you said you were going to do? Then it really raises that level of accountability to a completely different level. And that's really what got me prepared was knowing that I had a coach to be accountable to. Yeah. And that, and that's, I mean, if you think about any elite athlete, right, they have coaches and a lot of it is to elevate to an elite status, right? You know, any kind of coaching, which you and I both do executive coaching, it's, it, it's about helping a person really operate at their elite level and whatever mm-hmm. that is. And there's probably lots of things around the coaching that a person needs. We're all different, but um, yeah, that's another great lesson right there. That's very interesting. And, and it goes to that, you know, what, what, what you measure gets done, right? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
Well, I, I love, I, I mean, we could talk all day and I, I'm sure as you kind of venture out with your blog and um, get more traction, I mean, we could always have you back and talk just about the Leadership Academy and things that you've learned about um, trying to get leaders to elevate their game, you know, their own leadership game would be fun. So we'll have to have you back. But I always end the show by asking people who are there for So you can always tell where somebody's going to go, how successful they're going to be by the resources, the mentors, and the people around them. So I just want to kind of end on who are your four? Mm. Well, I'm always going to have to start with my dad. And my dad for me, in fact, I wrote papers about it when I was in school. I called him my renaissance man. And The reason I called him my Renaissance man was because my dad had this huge love of learning. I told you that he had a dream of going to college and and then a war and family kind of stole that dream away, but he could learn to do anything he set his mind to learn. If something happened with a car, he became a mechanic. If something happened with the electricity in our house, he became an electrician. If something happened that something needed to be repaired, then he became a woodworker. Um, He was a gardener. If mom and I decided we were going to learn how to knit or crochet or embroidery or sew, then my dad was right in the middle of it, learning to do those things with me. And so he is definitely one person that instilled in me this love of learning and not being afraid of learning something new. The other one is my boss, Art Atkinson. Annette, you know him. I do. And the thing I really treasure about Art is that he is a man that lives his values every day. So if you ask Art, well, what are your three values? And he would say, God, family, and work. And you know, just from being around him for a day, that not only is that what he values, but that's what he lives and that's how he leads. And he leads with God first, and then he leads with family, and then he leads around work. And I love that A, he knows what his values are, and B, that he demonstrates those values every day in the way he leads his team. The next person I have on my list is um, a person that I've known for about 12 years. Her name is Eileen Hahn. And she's taught me about approaching your work with joy and passion and enthusiasm. And on the flip side, she's taught me about self-care and how important it is just to rest and to recharge and refresh. And a lot of times as women, it's really hard for us to give ourselves grace and time to take care of ourselves. And she's really taught me that important lesson. And then the last one, I really have like mentors from afar. And so it was hard for me to say, oh, it's just this one, because I love to read thought leaders. I love Patrick Lencioni. I love Simon Sinek. 
I love Brene Brown. I love Ken Blanchard. But I'll stop with Ken Blanchard because I love that he calls himself the chief spiritual officer of his organization and that his job as a leader is really to help them spiritually. So it's not just what they can do for him and the organization, but he's dealing with them as a whole person. So physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, he really helps um, develop his employees. So those are my four. All right. Or six or eight. I don't know. (laughs) I know. I know. Most people, but that's how everybody is. They're like four. Um, But that's just for time's sake. But uh, yes, I love that. Thank you for spending time today, Cheryl. Um, You're just so passionate and you, you do exude that joy and passion. And it's, you know, you just have this magnetic energy. So I love being around you personally. I love that you got to share your story and, um, we'll have you back on and we'll talk a little bit about people that really are would like to bring like create a leadership academy or how do you bring leaders together and really, you know, help them rise to a new level to accomplish whatever might be in front of them because you have such wisdom and it's such a unique perspective. So we'll have to do that. But thank you for being on. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you, Annette, for having me. Thank you, Annie, for hosting me. And uh, thank you, audience, for listening. Really appreciate the opportunity. And all I can leave you with is embrace the suck and take your next 10 steps. (laughs) I like that. that. Embrace the suck while you count to 10. (laughs) I love your story, Cheryl. So thank you for sharing it. You're so welcome, Annie. Annie here. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leaders Spotlight. Make sure to visit our website, AnnetteKlozowski.com forward slash Leaders Spotlight, where you can find resources mentioned on this show, as well as past episodes. Subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can also follow us on Instagram at Leaders Spotlight.